You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and the interview subject I have coming up for you is the newly minted singer for Thunderstick in 2019. She goes by the name of Raven. So that's the reason for the conversation. Let's have a listen to what she has to say. Here we go. Hey, how are you going? I'm fine, thank you. You? Good. Hang on, let me turn myself on so you can see my mug. Have I done that? Have, is that work? Oh, it hasn't worked. Hang on. There we go. Here we are. Rock and roll. <laughs> hey, look, this is... Uh, think of this. This is a conversation, okay? It's not really an interview, okay? I've done about 450 of these at this point, and there is no pressure. That's the first thing I'm going to say. Second thing is have fun, okay? So... What I'll do at the end of this, I'll send it to you, and if you're not happy with it, I don't release it. I'll write a story about it instead. Simple as that. Cool. Okay, think of it like that. So yeah. this is one of those interviews, actually, where I wasn't sure where to start, and, and not not for any negative reasons, by the way. It was just, okay, because I think Something Wicked This Way Comes is probably the best rock record of the last 20 years or so. So I've had a, I've had a chat to Barry. I've had a chat to Lucy. I've had a chat to Vixen. Now I'm having a good chat to you. So I guess my first question for you would be, what attracted you to Barry and what he's doing? So obviously you're a very competent singer, otherwise Barry wouldn't have put you in the frame to front the outfit, but what was the lure for you that drew you into Thunderstick? The lure was the songs themselves, the the, the, the power, the emotion, the, uh, the the content, I think, as well. You know, Barry likes to do a lot to do with um, mental health issues. And I think... Um, I've got some stuff going on at the moment, and I think it really kind of drew me in. Um, so, so lyrically, it was there for me. Um, but the, the the power and the emotion that go into the songs hmm. is is something that I've never really uh, up to this point. You know, I've never really had that power and emotion in a song. Hmm. And that's what drew me. Love it. Were you aware of him prior to the opportunity coming up or was it one of those things where when the opportunity came up, you, you know, you, like me, because I wasn't aware of him either up until I'd heard of him in passing but hadn't done any deep diving, for example. But when Something Wicked This Way comes, the first time I heard Lucy's voice and I heard the songs and Barry's drumming, because I'm a musician, so that's what attracts me is the musicianship. And when I heard it, I thought, man, I think I've got to do a lot of catching up here to find out what else this guy's been a part of and the like. So was it a bit like that for you as well? It was indeed, yeah, yeah. I mean, the first time he sort of messaged me, it was uh, it was quite funny because if you've ever seen his icon on Facebook, it, it's just his mask. Mm. Um, and being unknown to me at the time, I sort of said to him, what sort of music do you do then? You know, <laughs> um, and he kind of came back, cool. uh, good for me. <laughs> uh, so, it, yeah, very embarrassing. But uh, but no, it was it was a big catch-up moment and sort of going through his history and mm. having um, having got to know him a lot better. You know, I can understand the songs and some of the previous history that he's had there. So it was, yeah, it was a big catch-up for me, mm. big catch-up. But a great one. It's been fantastic. So I think his first vocalist's name was Jody. Correct me if I'm wrong. Sorry, I'm going from memory here, but Jody, yeah. Jody Valentine. Jody Valentine, there you go. So did you manage to dive deep into some of those lyrics and ascertain the meaning of some of those lyrics as well? I did indeed. There's a few songs there because um, Jody and Barry were actually married. So um, there was a few songs there that were very pertinent to them at the time. Um, and unfortunately, Jody has since passed. 
And I think some of the songs that are sort of now, um, it, it comes out in some of the lyrics that I think, you know, where that has hit him in the past. Hmm. You know, I mean, they stayed good friends. And so, I mean, yeah, I think it, it, it was great to hear Jodie's voice actually on some of these songs as well. Um, okay, yeah. Lucy's fantastic. Um, but I think to delve back to the Jody times um, gave me just a little bit more insight into some of the songs, I think. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. Look, it's... it's it, and with the greatest respect to yourself and to Vix and Lucy is probably one of the best singers I've ever heard, to be honest with you. And having the conversation with her and also the work that she's doing in the Kentish Spires at the moment, you've obviously... You're bringing your own voice to these things. So how do you interpret her voice, you know, her voice on, on album? Are you are you basically reinterpreting it or are you, are you staying faithful to what she's done or is it a blend of both? I think it is a blend of both. Um, there's, there's a lot of it that I am trying to recreate. Um, but then there's also, I've, I've got a big natural vibrato to my voice. Um, and I've got a very, very powerful, deep voice. Hmm. So it's, it's bringing that through in some of the songs. So some of the songs have been altered very slightly just to sort of bring that through, I think, and, um, enhance what I can bring to the table. Absolutely. Cause this is your opportunity to shine. Have you had an opportunity like this previously, or is this your, is this your first go at a world-class band, so to speak? Yeah, yeah, no, it's my first go. I mean, I came to, I, I came to singing quite late in the game. Really, it was. Um, it's only been sort of thirteen years that I've been doing it. Mm. So from from starting sort of thirteen years ago, just just picking up my microphone and going, do you know what? I'm going to go out and do this. Mm. Um, it, it, it's it, it's. I've been playing in rock covers bands, you know, for the last sort of ten years. Yeah, that's what I do. Band. Yeah, good background that one. Yep. Yeah, you know, so I mean, I've I've uh, I've got a band, you know, that I've played with for the last ten years. So I think that's really built my confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had a lot of musician friends. I think that have helped along the way. Uh, that have said, you know, just do this. Just do, do it. this. I, you, yeah, you do reach a point, don't you, where you sort of go, do you know, what, if I don't do this now, I'm going to regret it, and I will never. I'll never know. So yeah, it's uh, a really good way it, of putting it. Yeah, it, it was it was jumping into the fire a little bit, hmm. you know. But uh, Barry's confidence in me, I think, uh, hugely helped. Hmm. You know, he right from the start he was, no, I want your vocals on this. You know, and and I think your vocals will will fit this band perfectly. Yeah. So and touch wood, you know, so far people seem to be sort of thinking the same. So yeah. So yeah, you. So you've you've performed live with him already, and you've been able to get that feedback from fans, have you? Yes, we have indeed. Cool. Yeah, we had our first gig the other Sunday. <laughs> um, yeah, lovely little local charity festival. Yep. Um, fantastic start. Huge amount of musicians there because there were there were loads of bands playing over the two day festival. Um, it was it, it was great. It was really so. I'd met. Um, I've met friends of Barry's back from the Iron, Iron Maiden days. Yes. Back from original Thunderstick days. Mm-hmm. You know, it was quite daunting meeting them, but um, but no, all the all the positive feedback has really really helped. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, well, people should be supportive in these sort of situations here, really, aren't you? Because, you know, you're coming into a situation where, and I understand from, I've been trawling Facebook and I've, I've discovered that I think an EP is on the horizon, which is great news because we get to hear your voice alongside of Barry's drumming. And I think that's really what, what really attracted me to the band in the first place was, was Barry's drumming. The first, that was actually the first thing I heard, obviously, before any singing started, was this shuffle, this very unique R&B style shuffle that he has now from a musician's perspective. I don't think I've heard anybody else drum like him. I'm sure they are out there, but I'm talking about an album and in the public sphere, if you like, being well known. Now, I, th- yeah. I think for you, the opportunity to work with him is, uh, you know, he's obviously been doing this a long time. He's got a lot of experience in the music industry, been around the block a couple of times. He knows exactly what he wants, no doubt. <laughs> you know. Yes. So, what it, so, yeah. so you've got this, so you confirm that you've got this EP on the horizon. Is that, are you only looking that far ahead or are there plans further afoot? Uh, we are starting to make plans further afoot. Um, the EP hoping to have sort of released by the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and next year we're sort of looking to uh, maybe to do a few Europe, you know, trips yeah. over to Europe. We've, we've got a festival in France later this year. Um, so we're, we're hoping that next year that, that's where we can kind of aim at. And that's the wheels are in motion for that now. So can you tell me who else is in the band these days? So we've um, on on bass we've got Rex Thunderbolt. Yes, fantastic, incredible. Um, We've got Lee Quimby on guitar and uh, Mike Gibbons. So I mean, again, both of them fantastic guitarists. Um, Mike's done a lot, a lot of work over the years. Um, to Powell, Carol Decker, Supremes. Um, so, I mean, he's, again, been around the block a little bit. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it's nice to, to bounce off those fellas. Lee Lee has been doing it for years and is, as yet, he's not recorded, which amazes me because he's such a fantastic guitarist. Mm. His energy, his pure passion that he puts into it, um, how he's never recorded. So we're really excited to, to get Lee down in sort of recordings as well. Hmm. So, so yeah, and then obviously Barry, Mr. Thunderstick. <laughs> so have you had have you had fans find you like since the announcement? Have you had fans reach out to you on Facebook that sort of thing, and say, "Hey, here you are." I have, yeah. It was uh, the first day the photos were released, and and we sort of um, added it on Facebook that, that I was the new vocalist. Um, I suddenly had this huge influx of uh, Facebook friends requests. Friend requests, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that thing. Oh, who are these people? Um, and it was really lovely that I'd, I'd got people from the States um, mm-hmm. that are going to come over and see us later on in the year. You know, we've got people from Belgium. At the festival we've just done, we had, you know, people over from Belgium, Germany. And, mm-hmm. and at the time, to get those requests, it's really daunting. You're suddenly going, whoa, hang on. Well, you, nothing um, can prepare you for it, can you? Can it? No. Yeah. No. They were really, really welcoming and really because I, I was, I was very worried. Obviously, taking over from Vix, you know, she was a fantastic part of the band last year, um, and I, I did worry how I would be taken, hmm. you know, after coming in from Vix and Lucy, as you say, fantastic vocals that she's got on that album there. Um, but everyone seems to be really welcoming and, and 
That's it's, fantastic. It's yeah. Pete, yeah. look, you can only ever do your best too. The thing is, like, yeah. you might be stepping into a role that other people have had prior to you, but you can't really copy anybody because there's only one you, as there's only one Lucy, as there's only one Vixen. So there's no point in trying to really copy anybody because you, you can't really. I mean, you it's a, a rookie error, that one, isn't it? You see a lot of people... Without making any assumptions about your age, you see a lot of people in their 20s doing that sort of stuff, and you think, just be you. You know, If you want to let your freak flag fly, now's the opportunity to do it, but overall, just be you. Be authentic. Bring you to the stage. And fans connect with that. It's like well, drawing back to Iron Maiden. How different was Bruce to Paul? Paul Diano, yeah. Bruce Dickinson. I mean, they're pol- they are literally polar opposites on the sphere. You've got Paul's punky... I always considered him more of a... He would have been better fronting GBH or something, really, in my view. Yeah rather than Iron Maiden. You know, he sort of, in my, a lot of old fans, you know, this is sacrilege then, but I never felt he fitted. So I don't listen to a lot of early Iron Maiden, you know, so to yeah. the, the first two albums, I much prefer Bruce. I think he's the he's the guy. And then, of course, Blaze came in. And yeah. uh, Blaze was, Blaze, in my view on Blaze is that the band Iron Maiden needed to go down half a step to meet his timber, the timber of his vocal. And he had a really tough job in the 90s, I've got to say. Poor old Blaze and Iron Maiden, because I rate him as a vocalist. And I'm, he's one guy I'd love to interview as well. Because I've spoken to Chris Martin, you know, the guitarist Chris Martin, that I think shares management. Yeah, he's a lovely fella too, Chris. And uh, he did some work with Blaze there on that epic album that he released a couple of years ago. But all of these people that have contributed to the Iron Maiden legacy, you know, including Barry, of course, you know, and just to drill back to the point, you know, like... Do you think Bruce was ever given any instruction from uh, the manager there, Rod Smallwood, to emulate Paul in any way? No, of course not. You know, so you've just got to stand within your own truth and be authentic, as I say. I think what's been nice is that actually Barry has has allowed me just to to take the reins and just just go with it. Yeah. Cool. Um. He he sort of said, you know, I've I've seen you perform, I've heard you perform. Um. That's what I want. Mm. I, want I want you. So yeah, just 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 go with it, which which was really nice because yeah, again, it gives you the confidence just to go. This is me. Hmm. Look, and and the other thing you mentioned, which is what I can't believe more young musicians don't do, is go into cover bands and play other people's material for three three or four sets a night. Now you've done it, so you know what I'm talking about. You know, you arrive at seven o'clock for a ten o'clock start, and you're playing right up until two a.m. and you get out of there at four thirty a.m. That's the proving ground for most of us, isn't it? Right there. And you've done it. So can you tell me your experience doing that? I mean, I mean I've done that um, as I say for the last sort of ten years with the with the band um, that I was with. Um and, and still with, to be honest. You know, um hmm. I love these guys. They are they are my family. Um and and I think that's that's brought me on leaps and bounds as a performer. It's uh, their aspect on music. Um, and they are they are very musically talented, the you know, um, guitar teachers and uh, done all sorts of stuff themselves, you know. Mm. So it was nice to learn from them um, and hone my performance kind of as I went over the years. I mean, when I started sort of thirteen years ago, I was I was I was a bag of nerves and I I used to shake for days on end, thinking, why am I putting myself through this? You know, what why why am I doing this? Mm. Um, I know the feeling, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you do, but mm. there's there's something in you that's got to do it. it, it it's a passion, isn't it? Um, yeah. So it, it was a case I knew I had to just jump and do it. Um, and over the years, the musicians I think that I've worked with um, within my band have given me the confidence to go, you're actually 
I, I never particularly liked my own voice. I never, I never got on with it. It was never the voices that I wanted it to kind of be. That's very common. That is, yeah. It's always very, ta- yeah. it's always very common with talented people. You know that that one right there. Yeah. It's it's so true about what you say there. It's the warblers out there I get concerned about. Those out there that try to emulate Beyonce and all those other bloody singers who. You know, again, controversial opinion here. I don't rate Beyonce at all. You know, if you want to go into that sort of music, I really, you know, you're talking about Ronnie Spector, Whitney Houston, the greats. You know, I'm not hearing that with Beyonce. With the greatest of respect, I mean, she's a she's a machine in terms of her business savviness and her partnership there with Jay Z has produced probably billions for them. Whatever, you know, lots of money. But I'm just, I don't feel like with Beyonce, you're going to get an all time. Like uh, her music isn't going to echo for all time, like a Ronnie Spector or a Whitney Houston, in my view, in my opinion. I'm, as far as I'm concerned, I'm entitled to it because I'm a musician. But uh, but you know, it's the same thing. And and, and I don't, I, I haven't heard her talk up her own vocal ability or anything like that. But a lot of people around her do, of course. You hear it in the media that she's the goat, you know, meaning greatest of all time and stuff. And you want some humility, don't you? You do want some humility. So I think your attitude's fantastic from the perspective that. That yeah, I mean, it is tough to listen to your own voice when you're a vocalist. I also sing, and when I listen back, Dude. oh my god, yeah, I'm like, oh shit, oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. no, yeah, yeah, you do yeah. do it. Funny, funny, funny you mentioned Whitney Houston because um, that that was one of the first singers when I went out singing. Mm. Um, I used to do a little twenty minute slot, um, for a bloke. We were just doing pubs sort of around London. And that's kind of how I eased myself into it. I did a 20-minute slot of, of Whitney Houston. Oh, wow. Well, you um, can sing then, yeah. And I kind of felt that um, back then I felt a little mocked by musicians. I think they kind of like um, – but in actual fact, I, I kind of learned since um, that a lot of the guitarists that actually kind of knew me kind of went, well, no, I, I, as you've just said then, God, if you can do Whitney Houston – yeah, you know, exactly. I, I mean, that's that's about as best as it. That's for, as far as I'm concerned. That's pretty much the top of the tree. So, uh, so yeah, we we used to do Whitney, and I mean, one of my favourite singers of all time, and and you may laugh at this, um, but this is this is my mother, uh, is Barbara mm-hmm. Streisand. Oh you know, no, I don't so, laugh so at it at all. Me. I think it's wonderful that you've got that influence. It's great. Beat Midler, Barbara yeah, Streisand. Me, These guys are real I, singers. That they, these were the songs that I listened to, you know, growing up. So they were the songs that I sang mm. as I was, you know, that little teenager with my hairbrush in the in the living room, dancing around the living room. You know. <laughs> what about um, what about Mariah Carey and Celine Dion? Did they have an impact on you at all? Celine Dion, yes, yes. Um, I love the power of Celine Dion's voice. Yeah, um, I very like powerful. the range that she's got. Um, mm-hmm. I know there are those that that. that don't like her. My, my ex-husband used to hate her, you know, and um, it, it was a case of I love the power that she'd got and the range that she'd got and the, and the emotion that she'd put into a song. That that was what drew me in with, mm. with Celine. Um, Mariah, not so much. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. Okay, here's a um, challenge for you. After we finish sure. this interview, Listen to a live performance. It's got to be a live performance of We Belong Together, the cut that she released in 2005. And you may change your mind. I'm not saying you will, but give that one a shot and see how you go because that that song there, apart from being a wonderful melody, I think that contains probably – it's not the, the, the greatest extent of her voice, but there are no vocal acrobatics in that song. It is a very emotional cut. 
And I think she really she, her delivery on that one is all time, as far as I'm concerned. You know, might surprise people listening to this who know me as a complete metalhead and rock guy and stuff. But I listen to every genre out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, a bit like me. I've got I've, I've got a big eclectic mix. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I down to the country. I I love country. That's stuff funny. Well. That's the one genre, to be frank with you, like that and hip hop. I really can't <laughs> do. <laughs> Hip hop even more so, but yeah. yeah. Mine's jazz, I think. Uh, I don't quite, I can't quite gel with jazz. No Joni Uh, Mitchell for you then. No, sorry. (laughs) See, Joni Mitchell, though, I do do, admittedly. Uh, Not Joni, sorry. Who was the Jaco Pistorius? Who was the one that Jaco Pistorius played bass for? God, I I could mention it any other time. Not Joni, God, what was I talking about? The Canadian singer, I can't remember her name, but she was very, extremely gifted. I'll remember it after we finish. For the listeners out there, you know, whoever Jaco Pistorius used to play bass for, that singer there, um, yeah, and she was a very good jazz singer. But I, I kind of agree with you about I love jazz from a musical perspective, not so much from a vocal perspective, okay? So I love John Coltrane, Miles Davis and the like, but without a lot of the singing, okay? And they, yeah. they don't have singing, so it's simple <laughs> for those two artists there. But, uh, but yeah, no, that, it's, uh, that Mariah thing, I, I give you... Uh, I, it's uh, not a challenge, that's for sure. It is just one of those things where I'd say that if you're yet to get into Mariah as a musician or as a vocalist, that's a really good place to start. Oh, I will mm. listen to that afterwards. Mm. I will. Another, one is, um, another one is Gloria Estefan. Did you get into her at all? I used to love her as a kid, yes. <laughs> like, what? Who didn't want to be Gloria Estefan? She was beautiful. She was uh, a stage presence. I, yeah, no, I loved Gloria Estefan. Yeah. yeah. Oh, her her album from 1995, the one where she did a lot of the covers. I can't remember the name of it, but it had Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me on it. It also, uh, this is after Miami Sound Machine. I can't remember the name of it, though, but that album, I, I remember getting that when I was at school. That was my last year of school, 1995, and I remember buying that, and it used to put me to sleep. That was the album I used to listen to to go to sleep with, and, uh, God, it was fantastic. Still is, no doubt. I haven't listened to it in years, though. That, that, that would be one I'll probably drag out, actually, yeah. After this as well. Definitely, yeah. definitely. So you, you, let's talk about the, the rock covers thing again because I think that's really important for people who are looking to become musicians to understand something about because a lot of musicians tend to look down on covers players. I don't know why. I mean, for God's sake, you're a working musician. It's about the most accessible methodology of being a working musician. But, you know, how did, how did you get into it? How did you get drafted into it? I know you said you got the 20, the 20 minutes go there but there's always that spark or that impetus and I know for me it's because a lot of my mates were doing it so I got drafted in with it at the same time or because I was inspired by them I just I saw how many people they were playing to that was the thing they were playing to like 80 to 100 people in an Irish pub here in Brisbane and I was like I want to do that so did you have a similar um not not really I mean I was drafted in, I was I was out doing solo stuff and I'd been doing it for about a year um and there was a guitarist from Deal that kind of had, had come to one of my gigs with his wife, hmm. and they happened to be looking for a backing singer for a, for a function band. So, um, and they were quite well known function bands sort of around our Kent area here. Did a, hmm. a, a lot of weddings. Um, so for me, that was my first steps into it because they they asked me to come and audition for them. They were looking to put this female backing vocal. They'd never been. They'd been going. Um, for about 12 years at the time, I think, and had never had female vocals on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went and auditioned um, and 
I, oh God, I remember being like that. And and they'd asked me to do um, backing vocals for Moondance, I think it was. Oh, and yeah. God, I play that every time I play, yeah. Van Morrison. And I do um, the lead vocals on Aretha Franklin, Respect. Um, oh, yeah. I, whoa, this is, can I, can I? But I went and, I went and did it. Um, and yeah, got the job with them. So I, I, I went out for about two years with them playing a lot of the wedding venues around sort of the Kent area and into London. Um, so again, we were out every weekend sort of doing that. And there was the, the, the front man, Alan, fantastic. You know, he, he was a proper front man. So kind of I, I took bits from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and two years in, I was asked to join this rock band. Um, they just split the guitarist and the, the wife uh, that was the singer. They just split, but they were looking to continue. So they said, would you come and do it? And I thought, well, I've never really done rock as such, but I've got that kind of voice. So, And it was the kind of material that I loved. So I, I, I just said, yeah, that'd be great. I'll come and audition. And there was a few of us. But again, a bit like Thunderstick, really. You know, it, it was a case of, yeah, we want your vocals on this. Mm. So, you know, and, and 10 years later, I'm, I'm still with them. And we're still playing the type of songs that we, we're not, as much as we do some of the covers that everyone will get up and dance and sing to, we like to add in the stuff that people might not kind of know. We'll, we'll, we'll do the Evanescence, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, that's so true. I know it's you talk about the Evanescences, and it's like, do we need to play "Bring Me Back Alive" or whatever that song is called? Sorry, I can't remember the name. I'm shocking tonight. Sorry, I'm usually pretty good. I remember things, but yeah, yeah. Um, or do you play one of their deeper cuts? You know, still Evanescence, but a deeper cut. It's like I was in a band where instead of playing um, some of Bowie's more well-known material, we were playing stuff that wasn't so well-known. And I thought, and to be honest, it didn't work. It didn't work. You know. You got to play into Sandman by Metallica. You got to play Moon Dance by v- Van Morrison. Um, you, you've got to play uh, or Van Morrison, Buddy Brown. I'd go. You have to do these cuts, don't you? Otherwise, people start wandering back to the bar and not dancing. We do. Um, we we do still sit the odd ones in. You know, um, Marillion, but we do Sugar Mice. Marillion. Wow. There you go. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of people stand there, and, and as Sugar Mice starts, they'll go. What's this? You know, but as the song gets in and they'll go, oh, okay, and then that guitar part kicks in and, you know, I, I kind of tend to tell people it is, it's my indulgence for the night because, you know, it used to be my drive home song yep. from a gig. That's it so was, true, uh, yeah. yeah. You need to have, I, I often say, nine for the audience, one for the band. So if you're yeah. doing, <laughs> it's literally like that, isn't it? And you just got to pick the song you do that isn't going to piss off the volume of people that are dancing or what have you, but you've got to do it. Otherwise you get bored senseless some nights and people in the crowd don't understand that. Yeah. I think what's nice is um, because the people that tend to come and watch us and, and beautifully follow us, that's what's great. Hmm. Um, They, they kind of know it's my song. It's my passion. It's my, it's one I kind of let out on, if you know what I mean. And, and, So I think, and, and the band have picked up on that, you know, it's, so it, it brings them to life. And I think that's it. If you can, if you can deliver something with that type of passion, hmm. you tend to lose people too much because they can see 
they can see that coming through in you. Um, and that's that's what a lot of people, I think, are drawn to. I think that's what I've learned over the years. That is so true, you know? what you just said there. It's so important that you mention that because... I, I, you know, I, I make a point of going out and watching bands. A few times I can get it. I've got two kids these days. So it's very hard to get out. And the irony is, this is the irony. I share this with you. <laughs> At a point in my life where I get into most every show that I want for nothing, okay, I can't go to them because I've got all these familial <laughs> commitments. <laughs> Whereas when I was a kid, I spent a fortune going to shows, Faith No More, U2, whatever it might have been when they were coming down to Australia. And, and, I, I can't watch any of these bands these days. I'm just too caught up. Although I did watch you, I am gonna, I am gonna watch you too when they tour because they're doing that Joshua Tree album, and I hate their new material to be honest with you. But I love their '80s stuff. So I think so many of us do, you know. But I, I make a point when when a band does that. I, I quite like the way bands are doing that. Do do you have an opinion on that? The way bands are touring off the back of a, an important album in their career. Um, no, I, I mean it's. <clears throat> I think a lot of us tend to do it, don't we? It, it's. Um, you know, and I suppose it's it's what a lot of people do want to listen to, though, isn't it? it it's it's the it's the older stuff that people are kind of drawn to. So you've still got to kind of you've still got to kind of do that. And and um, I, trouble is, as a musician, you just don't ever want to stop. Mm. It, I think some need to though, like you know, you two of you two you two and Metallica are the two bands out there and even though they're making truckloads of money and they're big bit they're not even bands anymore they're corporations right but they're perilously close to affecting their legacy in my view both bands and and a lot with metallica that comes down to lars or richard's drumming which just isn't up to the standard that they need as a band as far as i'm concerned you know me as a musician i'm talking i'm sometimes i even play along to his stuff and it's like you've missed that dude you're pulling on the beat you know like the live stuff and and you too, I just think, my God, that thing when they, they released all of their music or that new album from 2013 or 14, one of those two years, into everybody's Apple devices, media yeah. place. Do you remember yeah. that when they did that? Yeah. God, what a faux pas that was. Like was yeah. like we were forced to listen to them then effectively. You know, they came on on random playlists is my point. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. had no control in here, bloody Bono's. 58-year-old warble <laughs> or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> and it was like, no, not today, Bono. If I'm going to listen to you, man, it's the Unforgettable Fire or Boy or something. Nothing you've done since 1991, actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nothing's great. No, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's I think some musicians, like, bands, and I see it here around town, actually, I've got to say, they become, like, lost little boys clubs sometimes. Like, you know, wanting to go out and drink and meet people and play music. And it's like, guys, we're in our 40s now. It's probably time to have other interests rather than just focus all of your energy on this. As great as it is, it's just one It's just one little, you know, if you're looking at everything in a yeah 360-degree yeah. view, it's just a little piece of the pie chart, so to speak, doing this. And I think that's what, to me, makes it so exciting is playing again because I do it, I used to do it every weekend, but I do it about once every three or four weeks now. And I actually look forward to them. I actually genuinely look forward. I love who I'm playing with at the moment with uh, Velvet Kiss. And I love the guys in the band. Um, So it actually allows me to look forward to it. And I think we're all on the same page. We've all got kids and jobs. And I'm I'm back at uni, so I don't have a proper job these days. I'm back at uni, so I'm studying full-time, which is kind of like having a a proper job. But, uh, yeah, I I prefer to have a well-rounded experience. It's a bit different to the, the situation you're in where you now have to devote a lot of energy to something which could potentially take off again for you, isn't it, really? It, I mean, this is the opportunity. 
it's been um it is other than the last couple of weeks the, the, the first sort of seven weeks of it were just a complete whirlwind um because yes i do have a full-time job you know so I, i'm 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 working monday to friday i've got two teenage boys well there you um, go yep you know I, I was i was gigging i was still out with my other band doing two gigs a weekend and then rehearsing sort of five hours a weekend um so it, it, it was all it was very full on and hit the ground kind of running to 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 start with um and i mean we're still we're still rehearsing every weekend i think i'm getting a little bit more into the groove of it of how my life seems to be totally um but yeah, to, to obviously learn that set list in that seven weeks, hmm. um, it, it, it was it was a constant. Um, just just to try and get it in there, and and yeah. it was tiring. How do you but learn? How do you learn songs? Like if so, you've had to learn quite a lot of material here to perform a set. So how have you learned it? Because I've had people in bands where they they simply have not been able to learn material it's just not something that they can do it's like a skill isn't it learning somebody's material so how have you gone about it um literally just coming home every night and just playing it and playing it and playing it i think Mm. what was quite nice that um thunderstick kind of broke it down so he he gave me sort of three songs the first week then another three you know, and a week later, and then another three a week later, and then another three a week later. I knew what he was doing, um, yeah. It was, yeah, it was focus on those three for this week. Um, so I was I was literally coming home from work, and I thought, right, we'll, we'll do it one song at a time. So I'd play one song for, for two nights on a row, and I'd literally just keep going through it and through it, through it, lyrically, writing the lyrics down hmm. so that you just try them sort of into your psyche because um, that's I think really perform a song once you've once you've got them embedded then yeah. you can play with it and you can, then you can add your niche to it if you want hmm. um, yeah it's a bit like approaching an exam isn't it like yeah you're studying really is what you're doing it's the same methodology yeah to, to, to the point at times where it was like, please don't make me listen to this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sign, though. That's a great sign because it means that you're embedding it. I know what you're saying. Like, there is, um, yeah. being a, I'm a bassist, right? So, learning Chili Peppers songs, Flea, he's like one of the all time great rock and funk bass players. I have to listen yeah. to his stuff possibly a couple of hundred times before I've embedded it. It goes down to that that level, you know. Of course, he can play it and play a few slip notes here and there and just not really do it right but it doesn't sit well with me i try to learn it and i'm not i'm not at his skill level so i've got to so where he does things that i can't do i've got to do something else effectively but at least 80 percent of it, 70 to 80 percent of it is the same for playing covers and you know you might be playing in front of 10 people but it really comes down to the respect for the craft doesn't it in my view definitely definitely yeah yeah whether it whether it's 10 people whether it's 200 people mm. it's yeah, you want to you want to do it right because you want to do it right for you, and you want to do it right for your, your band members as well, um, and you want to do it right for the musicians that have created that music. You know, I um, I've got a lot of respect for the people that I do cover, and I want to do justice to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and as I say, some of these songs people have never never heard before, so I want to get their music out there just as much as they did in the beginning. You know, and I and I want to I want to do it justice. So, and I think 
if you are a good musician, that that is what you want to do. Yeah. So, yeah, anyone anyone worth their salt, I think, takes it down to that level, and and you know, you make sure you do a good job on it. So, so let me ask you this then: as as a, as a cover working covers musician, are there any songs you just won't do because you just hate them? You just will not do it because it's not. I just it makes me want to verbally gag. I can't do it. <laughs> um, I I'm not too bad like that because I think if if I can really see that somebody wants that song and and we've got so many people that come with a passion and and these songs that they want to hear. Hmm. I don't mind doing it. I mean, I <laughs> angels, oh, Robbie God. Williams. Yep. You know. Um, <clears throat> yep. No, no, I'm with you on that one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, for my bass player, it's Summer of '69. You know. He, oh God, you've got to play that every time, though. <laughs> he's he's been in covers bands for bless his heart, the best part of thirty, forty years, um, and he said I've played that song to death and it says so yeah um we have we have rested it shall we say but it's like the other week you know we 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 had a there's there's a gentleman that likes to come and watch us likes to come and follow us um and it is a song that he likes so it's it's a case of it's bought out sorry, yep. we're doing it tonight <laughs> it's coming out you know <laughs> <laughs> he just shakes his head and it's like, yep. <laughs> but but, you know, that's, that's kind of what you're there to do. Yeah. So. We've got a few songs in Australia, like, you know how you guys call – in here in Australia they're called Bogans, but you guys call them Chavs, I think, if I'm not mistaken. You know what I mean? Like rough sort of people who, you know, it doesn't matter what class or background they're from. They're a bit rough around the edges and they come across a bit rude a lot of the time, let's be frank. So yeah. in Australia they tend to – the Bogans tend to be drawn to, I've got to say it, ACDC. And right. even though they're an ace, they're, they're an Australian classic band. They're they're not a band that I enjoy playing. I've got to say because I see what these dickheads get up to out there on the the dance floor. They drive a lot of the ladies away. So I try not to play as many AC. I try. Uh, we've got to play "Long Way to the Top." Got no choice in that. We just got to do it. It's like Australia's faux national anthem. We've just got to do it. Um, uh, and what's the other one? I'm trying to think. What's the other one? Is uh, off back in black. Um, Shook me all night long. Those two songs. Yeah. We've just got to do them. I don't enjoy it, though. I've got to tell you. I just sort of put my head down and just sort of get through it. They're not entirely <laughs> interesting on the bass either. So, except for the backing vocal, you know, it's there's some good backing vocal in both of them. Highway to Hell, Long Way to the Top. There's three, sorry. Highway to, long Way to the Top, Highway to Hell, and uh, Shook Me All Night Long. We generally have to play those three songs every time we play. And it's more the reaction that people do. I see them, like, throwing beer at each other and stuff and... I was thinking, don't need to do that. Just be like a normal person and enjoy the song and drink and put your drink down. Yeah, you know, yeah. that and uh, I, I'm really uh, – and nothing against the guys at all. I know these guys cop a pillaring, but Nickelback, I can't stand Nickelback. It must be said as well. <laughs> my my other guitarist would agree with you on that because we, we do do a Nickelback. <laughs> yeah. And we get to it every time and he goes, really? Oh, I – Oh, how yes. you remind me! And there's another song that they did. Yeah, oh god, it's awful. Oh, save us, spare us, please! Don't ever ask for that song again. <laughs> but fans love it. And the other thing is, is that it's 18 year old girls that are asking for it. And you're like, how do you know this song? It came out like 20 years ago or something. Yeah, I mean, what was quite funny that um, we we were 
I was showing my 14 year old son. Um, the, there's a there's a video on YouTube of us last weekend Thunderstick doing Earth Mother, and I'm showing my 14 year old son, and all of a sudden he starts mouthing the chorus, <laughs> to him. and I'm like, "Do you know this song? What?" And, and it was a case of that he, he, he said, "I've heard you sing it so many times, Mum. Of oh, course, I know. Yeah, <laughs> you know." But you sort of think that's how it works its way down the generations and down, down, you know, so for them, I mean, I've, I've got a, I've got a 14 year old and a 17 year old. Mm. Um, and they'll know all the old Lincoln Park songs, the Foo Fighters, the, um, but it's mainly because they've yeah. heard me playing them around the house. Um, you know, and, and even up to the sort of older stuff that I, that I do with the band, you know, from the, from the seventies, eighties, and, and they'll be singing along and, and you kind of, yeah, that's how music spans the generations. Mm, and, it does, yeah. yeah. What's well, great that they've got yeah. a musical mother and someone who's clearly got great taste to be given who you're inspired by and the like, so they can get into music that is really important music. Because I think music is, outside of eating, it's the most important thing we, we have. Uh, music and art, I should say. So art and the wonderful works of art, Picasso, whoever else they might be, they're all great. And composers, classical composers, jazz composers who I've mentioned before, the great John Coltrane's of the world, and then also the modern pop and rock vocalists as well. I mean, this is what, this is being humans. We have sentient consciousness. That's what separates us from animals. And that's what actually makes us different, different is the way in which we express ourselves through art. You know, and, and having a mum like yourself who can guide them, if you like, on the way. And I do the same thing with my kids, actually. Just last, on Friday night, I don't know whether you know the, the band, but uh, a lot, I interview a lot of death and black metal artists, and one of them was, uh, he's from York, from Birmingham, the UK, uh, Carl Willits from Bolt Thrower and Memoriam, awesome human being, just a lovely, lovely guy. And uh, I, I've spoken to him at a few occasions beforehand, so that was my third conversation with him, but uh, my daughter wanted to chat to him. So I put him, oh, wow. yeah, put him up to, she, she, they're in bed at the moment, but because uh, it's, you know, 20 to 9 here at the moment, but, um, you know, the... I, I, he was such so lovely to her, and it turns out he's got a five-year-old as well. And you know, I mean, the thing is, is that they're getting exposure through me to to. They might not even like the music, but they can appreciate the artistry, and that's really important. That it's coming from the heart. It's coming from genuine, coming from a genuine pl- place within somebody's spirit. This is not manufactured music here. But the people yeah. that I talk to, none of them produce manufactured music. It's all real, and that's so important. Yeah. If all that they're inspired by long term is that they're they, they listen to me talking to so many wonderful artists that are living their truth, speaking their truth, and doing what they're put on God's green earth to do, then that's, I think I've done my job. And I think you're doing yeah. the same, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had, we had, a, we had a little eight-year-old um, at our, our gig, you know, last month, and he was there the whole entire gig. And, I mean, I remember my two when they were that age, they used to sit with their fingers in their ears, you know, say, so. <laughs> oh, it's mum again, you know. Yes. But this young lad, bless him, he was he he was sat at the side of the stage and he was he was watching the whole time intently. And it was brilliant to see. So um we tend to sometimes finish with the uh with the old classic sweet child of mine. Um, oh yeah, you gotta do it, so, yeah. Same here. <laughs> you know, yeah. So um I sat him on the stage with me. We we just sat on the front of the stage and his dad afterwards was just, I'm so grateful that you and the guys in the band were all just so lovely with him 
yes. you know, and, yeah. and and even at our Thunderstick, um, there was a young lad, um, and Mike Gibbons, as I say, the, the guitarist in Thunderstick, um, his dad brought him sort of backstage afterwards, and Mike sat with him with his guitar, and he just went, here, plunked his guitar in his lap, and this young lad's face just lit up. Oh, that's awesome. You know, so that's, that's all time right there, yeah. yeah. He's got a great photo of him, the both of them sat with, with a guitar in their hands, hmm. grinning, you know, sort of doing this at the, at the camera. Yeah. And you sort of think, yeah, that, that's what it's all about, in inspiring them as well. Hmm. You know, and say, even, if, even if the music's not maybe particularly for them, um, to have that passion, I think is really, really important. It is, um, yeah. I mean, those those are the things. I remember as a kid going to a Beastie Boys show, and being on my mate's shoulders and their DJ. I think it was. Uh, oh, I could be wrong here. I thought it was Terminator X from Public Enemy that was on tour with them at the time, and he came over to me because I was right up the front, and he high fived me, and I still remember. Like I felt electric for a week afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm a fan for life now because of it. You know, and yeah. both outfits, Public Enemy and Beastie Boys, and I, I just, I, I think, you know, just to do that, artists need to be aware, especially the ones that get a bit jaded. I think the more, you know, the further on up they go, that when you do that sort of stuff for people, it has a, the meaningful impact that it provides to them can't be ever be measured. Okay, it might even be the catalyst for people to become musicians if they've got it in them. Yeah. You know, they might not know that they've got it in them to play an instrument up until that point. Then after that, they're inspired, I want to do that. They pick up a guitar, a bass or drums or even a turntable or keyboard or whatever it might be. And they go, hang on a sec, I've got a talent for this. And a brand new artist has been created right there. Yeah, it's so important. So important. Mm. All right, this has been an awesome chat. I really you have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject was Raven. She's the new singer in Thunderstick. Thanks so much for listening.